Welcome everyone to Daf Yomi one week at a time. Uh, this is Masachet Baba Kama, and this is our 15th class. Uh, we've been doing this for quite a while, so kolakavod everyone. Uh, almost finished, a few more weeks. I think we have two weeks from now, two more weeks um, to finish this Masachet. Um, so tonight we are going to be reviewing Daf 98 um, through 104. Um, so uh, we're still talking about um, causing damage, as we've seen before. Um, so Daf 98 discusses, um, let's say a person threw someone else's coin into the sea. Um, so the Gemara tells us that you don't have to pay for damage. Uh, you can say, you know, just go in and go get it. Um, but this, of course, is only if the water is clear, um, if it's able, if you're able to retrieve it. Um, but if it's murky, so then you do have to pay back. Meaning, the the question here the Gemara is dealing with is, um, I didn't lose it. I just I put it over there, but you can't get it. So that's the question: Is that seen as damage or not? Um, let's say you knocked it into the into the water. You don't need to pay, but if you picked it up and then put it into the water, so then you actually acquired it by picking it up, which means that you stole it. If you stole it, you need to pay back the money, right? You can't just say, go and get it. If you steal something, you need to return it. Um, since we're talking about having a coin, the Gemara goes into talking about redeeming Master Shani. If you remember, Master Shani is the tithe that you need to take up to Jerusalem uh, and eat the food there. It's not a gift to somebody else, um, but you eat the food, but in Jerusalem. Um, let's say you have, uh, you know, a bowl of fruit and it's going to get uh, ruined. So then you can um, redeem the fruit onto money. Then you take the money to Jerusalem and there you buy the food. So you have to be in possession of that coin in order to, to redeem the Maser Shani on it. So again, this, this discussion of having the coin um, in order to use it. Um, let's say you flattened somebody's coin. I guess you ran it over with your car. Um, you do not have to pay for damages because again, in the old days, coins went by weight. So even if you deface the coin, but by flattening it, the metal is still there, um, and you can still um, and you can still use it, and therefore um, you do not have to pay for damages. Um, let's say you burned someone's uh, contract or like an IOU. Um, so again, you did damage to the actual paper, um, but the person still owes the other person money. So. Um, we say that you do not need to pay for the damage as long as there are witnesses that saw the transaction. And now you can just write a new contract. Um, or maybe it's because um, maybe you have to you do have to pay for damage because something that can cause money, it's called gorem mamon, meaning using this object will lead to collecting money, is seen as money, and therefore if you destroy the contract, it's as if you're you're destroying my possession, and therefore um, it's seen as damage. Um, or the opposite, we don't say that something that leads to money is like money, and therefore you do not pay for damage. Um, Another case, let's say a person stole chametz, right? Someone stole uh, a loaf of bread, and then now it's, um, then it becomes Pesach. So someone burns it before Pesach. So you're not liable to pay because everyone was going to burn it before Pesach. So even if you left it in his house, he was going to burn it. But if he burns it after Pesach, now it's a machloket. Do we see, and this is used in the Gemara a lot, it's called Pesach, Chametz She'avar Alav HaPesach. Right, Chametz that um, passed the time of Pesach. Sorry, Chametz that passed the time of Pesach. That Chametz is um, prohibited from having any benefit from it. Because you can't have any benefit from it, it's seen as worthless. 
So now if I have it, what's the value? There is no value. So there's a machluket if now I see it as valueless, therefore um, you do not have to pay for damages because it doesn't have any value, um, or it had value when you stole it, therefore you have to pay for damages now. Um, okay. Um, and again, um, let's say if you burn a document, there's a machloket if, um, about the concept of garmi or grama. This is things that, um, again, if you cause loss to someone, even though you didn't um, do any physical change to anything, um, you are still liable. Um, okay, next case, an ox that killed a person. So till the end of the trial, you can do anything to it. We actually have learned this before. It's called Shor uh, Haniskal. This is an ox that is going to get stoned. Uh, again, uh, because it killed a person, it is going to get killed. Um, till the verdict is um, is given, you can do different things to it. You can sanctify it. Um, you can do other things after the verdict it's seen as not having any value as we said before if it doesn't have any value um so then uh let's say um you steal it um so then you just return it but there really is no value um no value to it um okay uh let's go to the next uh right let's say you stole fruit and it and it got um, it got spoiled. Um, so then you have to if then you have to pay back. Um, sorry, if yeah, so it, you have to pay it back. If it got partially spoiled, you can return it. You don't have to pay back the value, but you can return it. Okay, let's go to the Mishnah on Daf ninety eight. Um, and we're going to be dealing with these cases uh, the whole the whole. Uh, class. Um, let's say you gave a utensil to a craftsman to fix it, right? So you have a chair, uh, you give it to him, you say, please uh, fix the chair, and then the craftsman breaks the chair. Um, so now he is liable uh, for the damage that he caused. Um, let's say um, there was a builder who was supposed to destroy a wall, um, but again, in those days, walls are made out of big stones. Um, the idea is you knock it down and then you take the stones and you build a, a new wall somewhere else. Um, so when he destroyed the wall, he actually broke the stones. Um, so now they're not reusable. Um, so the Gemara says he's liable because again, he didn't do uh, what he was told to do. Um, if he thought that the wall could sustain the damage and then it fell, so then it wasn't his fault. It was an, it was a, it was an accident um, and he would be exempt. Again, if it's done as an accident, um, so or he thought that his action was not gonna cause damage, um, so then he would be exempt. But if he did it through a, an action that he did, he would have to pay it. Um, Again, if he hit the wall hard and it fell and it broke, he would be liable. Um, so now the Gemara explains, um, uh, now we're gonna talk about craftsmen. Again, uh, someone who would, uh, you know, fix your furniture, fix your um, whatever items you would give them. Um, so let's say you give wood to a craftsman to build some furniture. So now as he's working on it, the owner owns the wood but the craftsman owns the furniture till he finishes the item and then he sells it back to the um to the owner um so the 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 term in the gemara is uman kone b'shevach kli right the craftsman uman that's for you aliza we're learning hebrew <laughs> uh, so an uman is a craftsman um so like omanut omanut is art so an uman is a an artist um he acquires the shevach kli the improvement of the the utensil that he makes um why is this important because we need to know that if it breaks um, and at what point it breaks, who's responsible, right? So if it breaks when it's in the craftsman's domain, 
then he only needs to pay back the value of the wood. Again, the owner just gave him wood. He built it into a beautiful chair, but now that the chair broke, um, he doesn't have to pay back the value of the chair. He pays back the value of the wood. Um, however, if the owner gave the person a chair and said, please reupholster my chair, um, and then it broke. So now the craftsman is liable for the entire chair. Okay, Doth 99 um, talks about wool and dyeing wool, right? So let's say you gave wool to be dyed and it burnt in the vat. We're gonna see this Mishnah in a minute. Um, so right again, how do they, how do they uh, dye wool, right? They put uh, dye with water in a pot, they put it over the fire, they boil it up, they put the wool in and then you uh, mix it up and take it out. Uh, let's say the, the wool got burnt in the vat, so he has to pay back the wool, because again, he, he gave him just the wool, but, um, he does not have to pay for the increase in value, right? Let's say it was supposed to be now red wool. Um, that increase in value does not have to be paid back um, to the owner. Um, or maybe he burnt it before the color took, um, and that's why he doesn't have to pay the, the increase in price. Um, or maybe the owner brought the wool and the dye, and the craftsman was only doing the work. Um, and then again, he doesn't have to he doesn't have to pay back for the dye because again, he's the one who supplied the dye. Um, all right. Now we're going to talk about um, when someone is doing work. Uh, when is he owed the money? Right. So this idea of right, you have to pay a person's wage on the day that you're owed the money. Right, but if a craftsman is viewed as selling the item at the end, so then you only pay him at the end of the project, or you can even pay him the next day. Um, so let's say if the work didn't change the utensil, so then the money is seen as a wage, right, which needs to be paid every day and not as a sale. Um, however, right, so again, what does that mean it didn't change the utensil, right? Let's say it made it softer um, or the craftsman was like filling the wool or stamping it to make it firmer. Um, all of these actions, the wool is still there. Um, therefore, you're going to pay per action and that's seen as a wage. He needs to be paid that day. Um, a kablan, which is another modern Hebrew word for a contractor, all right, a contractor is seen also as a wage, therefore they have to be paid on time, or maybe only if the work doesn't improve the item, um, like a letter carrier, right? That's someone who's just taking a letter from one place to another. Um, that would be a wage and you have to pay them on time. Okay, um, next case, a woman says to uh, a man, please make me some jewelry. And then with that jewelry, I'll be betrothed to you. Um, so again, let's say she gives him the gold and she says, make me a bracelet. When you give me the bracelet, I'll be betrothed to you, um, right? Um, so then the, the Gemara says she's only betrothed when she gets the bracelet back, right, at the end. Or, right, only when she gets money. What's, what does money mean? Either it means the jewelry, or it means that the, the jewelry maker, the jeweler needs to add uh, some extra money to the bracelet in order for it to be a, value, a, a valid betrothal, um, right? So maybe uh, we'll see in a minute what, what he's gonna do. So let's go back to the, way, the laborer, right? The laborer o earns his wages over time, not all at the end, right? So as he works, the owner owes him money, right, each day. Um, it's not like, but it's not collected till the end, meaning he's owed everyday money, but he only gets it at the end. Um, and you cannot betroth the woman with a loan. If you remember Masachet Ketuvot, we learned that in, uh, sorry, in Kiddushin, we learned that you cannot um, you cannot betroth a woman with a loan, right? With money that you don't have right now. Um, so because every day he's owed money, 
he cannot be betrothed to her with this item. Um, or again, if you remember, there was a machloket, and some say you can be uh, betrothed with a loan. And then the Gemara concludes that it must be that he added a gem to the metal that she gave him, right? So she gives him gold, he adds a little diamond or some sort of stone to it, and with that, he can betroth her when he gives it back. Um, we can, since we're talking about being betrothed, um, you cannot betroth a woman with the value of work he did for her already, right, in the past. Um, but maybe he can be betrothed to her for work he will do in the future. Um, or maybe, again, it's not enough of the work that he's, or the money that he's owed. Maybe he needs to add a little of his own money to the to the betrothal or to the, the ring or whatever he gives her. Um, okay, back to other people who mess up uh, the work that they're doing. Let's say the butcher or the shochet, right? The person who is slaughtering the animal ruins the, the slaughtering of the actual animal. So then he's liable, right? You gave him a really good cow. You were waiting to have a huge barbecue. He ruins the shechita. Um, and now you have nothing to eat. So what are you going to do, right? It seems that this is negligence, uh, and the shochet has to pay for the value of that animal. Um, the Gemara says he's liable whether he was doing it for pay or even if he was doing it for free, he needs to pay for it. Or if he was um, an expert, he would be exempt because it wasn't really his fault, meaning he normally could do it with his eyes closed and something happened. Um, the Gemara gives different brightot that support Rabbi, Rabbi Mayer's opinion of people making mistakes and that they're still liable, not that they're exempt, rather that they are still liable. Um, it seems that if you were an expert and you were getting paid for it, you are liable. Uh, but if you were doing it for free, then you're exempt, right? He was doing you a favor, he made a mistake, or seems to have been negligent in some way, uh, but he's still not liable. Um, okay, um, the Gemara adds as a side point, uh, when you leave court, the judge shouldn't say to you, oh, by the way, you should just know I voted for you, but I was overruled, right? That is not an appropriate uh, thing for a judge to tell the, the defendant or uh, one of the, the people who is involved in the case. Um, if a person is an expert, so then they're liable even for bad advice, um, right? And if you're a super expert, um, so then you're exempt. It's interesting, uh, right? The Gemara says if you're like the top expert in the world and you give advice that turns out to be wrong, uh, you're not liable because you couldn't have known, right? You couldn't have known the circumstances that happened, um, and therefore you are exempt. Okay, DAF 100, uh, it's good to act uh, beyond the letter of the law. Uh, in Hebrew, this is called lifnim mishurat hadin, right? What we would call above and beyond. If you go above the law uh, right, or beyond the letter of the law, that is an appropriate way to act, uh, right? You don't always have to do the letter of the law. You go above. Um, let's say... Ah, so there's a case where someone showed uh, a person a coin and asked if it's a valid coin, um, and then uh, they made a mistake and they said the wrong answer. Um, so if you caught, right, and let's say you said no, it's it's not, you know, you made a mistake. Um, if you caused indirect damage, again, garmi, um, so you are liable um, because, again, you caused this person to lose out on their money. Um, there are different cases of um, garmi, of this idea of indirect damage. Um, a judge who made a mistake, uh, we say what's done is done. Um, he is liable to pay for compensation. So you see that um, you do have to pay, even though you didn't do anything physically wrong. Um, the Gemara says, no, maybe this person did it with their own hands, and it really is direct damage. Um, next case, a person who dyed wool the wrong color, you have to pay for the wool. Uh, again, he did it physically, so the Gemara says, no, that's not indirect damage. A third case is a person who put his grapes 
over um, right his grapevines over another person's grain, and then they grew together. So that would be kilaim. Uh, the Gemara says. Um, no, actually, that's direct because you actually did put the grapes over the grain. And the fourth one was a wall that broke down. And now, right, so there's two, there's a vineyard and a, um, a field of grain with a wall in between. And then the wall broke down. And now his grapes are near the grain. Um, and he was told to fix the wall, but he didn't. He is liable. Um, to pay for kilaim, right? Because again, even though it's indirect, he didn't, he, right? He didn't build a wall. That's not a direct damage because he didn't do anything, um, and he's still liable. So that shows that even if there's indirect damage, you are liable. Second, Baruch Okay, next. Um, next Mishnah on Doth 100. Um, okay, wool, uh, now this is our case, right? The wool was given to the dyer, and then the pot burnt the wool. Um, you have to pay for the wool. Let's say a person dyed the wool in an inferior way, right? He did, basically didn't do a good job. So then the customer pays for the cost of the wool or for the improvement. Um, right, again, he did do what he was supposed to do. He just didn't do a good job. Therefore, he gets paid, but he gets paid the lower value, um, either the value of the actual item, right, the, the cost, or the, the value of the improvement. Uh, but he does not get the original stipulated price. Let's say he dyed it the wrong color. So now the dyer pays for the wool because he ruined your wool. If the customer wants it, again, he can pay for the lowest amount, either the cost or the improvement. Okay, so now the governor is going to explain all the cases. If it's inferior, what does it mean in dyeing something in an inferior way? It means that he wiped the residue of the color from the pot onto the wool. Right, that's not how you dye clothing. Um, he does it in a really bad way. Um, therefore, he gets right. He gets paid something, but not everything. Um, Doth one hundred one. Um, let's say you give wood to the carpenter. Again, the, we're going back and forth. These are all our cases of when the you know when the builder or the person, uh, the craftsman, is liable and when he isn't. Um, so let's say you give wood to the carpenter and he made uh, the wrong furniture. So the carpenter needs to pay for the wood or um, or there's like a knas, right? There's a penalty and he gets paid the, again, the lowest value, the cost or the improvement. If he was supposed to make, a, a, again, let's say you gave him wood and you said, make me a chair, but you chose the nice chair and he made the, basic chair or an ugly, you know, so, I don't want to say ugly chair. Let's call it basic, right? He was supposed to make something nicer and he made like the basic one. Um, even though in my roots, I wrote ugly chair, chair but okay. Uh, right. So um, he gets the lower wage again, the cost or the improvement. Again, he didn't do what he was contracted to do. Um, okay. Now the question is, I understand basic chair, nicer chair. But what about wool? So the Gemara asks, does the dye improve the wool? Um, um, so um, the, the Gemara says, is it, again, so it's interesting, right? Is appearance an improvement, right? I had white wool or natural wool, and now it's red or it's black. Does that make it better? Right, so we know there is an idea of it being more expensive. Um, so here the Gemara says, let's say you stole dye and then um, you dyed your own wool. Okay, so here you stole just the dye. Um, does the dye still exist in the wool? Right, an interesting question. Um, right, so what does he return? Right, he can't take the dye back. Um, so um, that's one question. Next question is, let's say you stole dye and wool, and then you dyed the wool. Can you just return it the way it is, right? You stole 
uh, white wool and red dye, and now it's red wool. Can you just return it? Or let's say you stole dye from one person and wool from another. So, like, what are you going to do now? Um, so, uh, the next case, let's say you took a garment that was dyed with peels from, since we're talking about dyeing, and we know that in, in the days of the times of the Gemara, um, they would use, most of the times they would use fruit uh, or food to dye, uh, to dye clothing. Um, so let's say you dyed it with the peels from a fruit that was orla or orla. If you remember, orla is um, prohibited. You're, it's prohibited to eat um, fruit in the first three years of a fruit tree. Um, that's called orla. Um, so let's say you use this orla produce to um, dye a garment. So what do you do? So the Gemara says you have to actually burn the garment because you you um, you dyed it with something that was prohibited. That shows that the the garment still has orla in it, right? There's something prohibited in that garment. Therefore, you have to dye it. So that seems to prove that the dye is still in the wool. So the Gemara says, no, maybe Orla is unique. Um, you're not even allowed to, to dye with it. And that's why um, dye, D-Y-E, uh, to color with it. Um, and therefore, um, you that it's a different case than our case with the wool. Um, um, let's say you used Shemitah fruit. Again, you're not allowed to use Shemitah fruit. Uh, you're only allowed to eat it. You're not allowed to destroy it for another reason. Uh, again, the Gemara says, no, it's unique. Um, it's unique to Shemitah. You can't use it for dying things, um, and therefore you can't compare it. Um, Okay, from here, uh, the Gemara talks about other things that could be absorbed. So it talks about um, a rivi'it, which is like a quarter of blood uh, that of a dead body that's absorbed into a house. Um, then everything inside the house becomes um, tamet, met, right, impure because of the, the, the dead body, right, the blood from the dead body. Um, let's say it's absorbed into a garment. So if you can wash it out and a revit of blood comes out, so then it's tamet. So again, it seems that when something is absorbed in a garment, it's still there because it can come out. And the Gemara says, no, this is a leniency with blood. It's not the same thing as dye. Um, okay. Um, okay. So now um, the Gemara talks about, again, for Shemitah, you're allowed to eat um, Shemitah produce um, because the, the way it's described is the benefit that you're getting from the produce is at the same time as the destruction, right? I eat the fruit, it gets destroyed, but I'm getting benefit. However, um, if, right, if I use it for uh, something else, so here the Gemara starts to, goes on to talk about not just dying, um, but what about um, taking wood to burn? Can I take wood, that's Shemitah wood that was grown on Shemitah, and can I use it to burn um, something? So the Gemara says you're not allowed to do that for Shemitah because the benefit is only after it burns, right? When do you, you get benefit from the heat? Only after the wood becomes a coal, then it's hot enough, and that's when you get benefit. Therefore, you're not allowed to use Shemitah wood for burning. Um, okay, Daf 102, um, there's a machloket if you can only use Shemitah fruit for eating, um, or maybe you can also use it for other purposes. Uh, again, as I mentioned before, um, maybe you can use it for soaking flax um, or laundering. Um, this is a machloket based on the verse uh, of, um, right, you, it could be lachem, it could be for you. Does for you mean anything for me? Or specifically, the verse actually says, um, it says, um, um, it says, 
um, to eat it. So maybe it's only eating and not something else. And, and the, the Gemara gives different examples of things that you can do with Shemitah things and things that you cannot do um, with Shemitah produce. Um, okay, so we're on DAF 102. Um, any, um, okay, so any worker that doesn't do what they were asked to do, so then he has the lower hand, right? So he gets the lower value of whatever he's owed. And if he reneges on the deal, um, he also has the lower hand. Um, generally, um, and here generally the the law is like a mission. Okay, so here uh, the Gemara goes into a discussion about um, two Mishnayot, um, one Mishnah has a machloket, right, two different opinions, and then another Mishnah just gives one opinion. That's called Stam Mishnah. Stam means stam, um, plain, uh, right? There's no difference of opinion. Um, so the Gemara says that um, if you have a Mishnah that has a machloket, and then afterwards you have a Mishnah that just gives one opinion, it shows that the law is according to that one opinion, because the Mishnah only gives that one opinion. So now the Gemara says, well, that's only if it, the order is only relevant if you're in the same Masechet, um, right? So if the machloket Mishnah comes before the plain Mishnah, then we know that that's the law. And if it comes after, then we know that there's still a machloket, that we're not sure what the law is. Um, but if it's in two separate masechtot, um, we cannot make an inference because um, there, we don't, there's no like before and after in, a, in two different masechet. Um, however, it's interesting to note that in this, in this um, machloket in particular, it's here in Baba Kama, and the next source is in Baba Metzia. Um, now, we know that those are seen nowadays as two separate Masechtas. However, um, they really are all one Masechet. Uh, if you remember, we learned in the, I gave an introduction, um, that the three Babas, meaning Baba Kama, Baba Metzia, and Baba Batra, even though nowadays they're seen as three separate masachets, um, in uh, reality, they're all considered one giant masachet called Nizikin. Um, and therefore, because um, our, our two quotes are from those two masachot, um, they are seen as being in one. And therefore, um, when the stam, when the plain Mishnah goes after, the machloket, that is the law. Okay, next, if a person entered a business deal with an agent, okay, so here this doc was actually a little bit confusing if you learned it, um, because it uses the word shaliach. Now, shaliach is usually seen as a, an agent, a messenger, right? I send a shaliach to buy me X and bring it back to me. Um, this case is actually um, a business deal. What's the business deal? I put up the capital and then I send Ruvain to go buy, let's say, grain. And then he takes the grain and he goes, sells it somewhere else. And the, we split the profits, right? He did all the work. I put in the capital. We're business partners. Okay, so that's the case, right? So now, we have this business deal, um, and you gave the, you gave him money to buy wheat and then to resell it, and then they'll split the profits. But the agent, meaning Ruvain, bought barley instead of wheat, so he didn't listen to the ground rules of our partnership. Therefore, he breaks off the partnership, and he has to go and pay back the person the money that, right, the capital, the investor, he has to pay him back, and any loss or gain, so then Ruvain, the agent, can keep it, right, because now there's no, there's no partnership anymore, or that was one opinion. The other opinion is any loss that the agent, um, 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 any loss that he, um, that he causes, 
um, he loses, but if there's any gain, so then we split the profits, right? So that seems to say um, the partnership wasn't really broken. It's still kind of there. Again, the loss is your loss, but the gain is our gain. Um, so um, again, this is based on the machloket. If I didn't do what you told me, do we still have um, right, a relationship or not, right? Or maybe it's not the same machloket. Um, maybe it's different when when I send, again, right, if I send a shaliach to buy me food that I want to eat, that's very different than sending a shaliach who's really my business partner. Um, that's a different case altogether, right? So if he listened to the investor and he bought wheat, so when the seller sells it, he's selling it to the agent and the investor, right? Because they're they're all together. Um, when a person sanctifies his property, he ah. So um, we're talking now about um, shlichut, right? Agency. So now the Gemara says, let's say a person sanctifies all his property. So the Gemara tells us that it doesn't include the wife's and the children's, let's say, clothing or the things that they use. Um, so this shows that, um, right, or anything that he sent to be made for his wife or his children. Um, so maybe that shows that the husband is the agent and it doesn't include things that he was sent for or no, um, because he sanctifies his property, he's not sanctifying his wife's property. And that's the difference. Um, Okay, let's say a person bought a field for himself, but he told the seller that it's for the Rish Galuta. The Rish Galuta is like the political figure of the Jewish community. So if you say that, that gives a great importance to this sale. Um, so then we, so again, person buys uh, um, land and he says, oh, no, no, it's not for me. It's for, right, the president. Um, and so then the we say that we don't force the president, right, the Reish Galuta, to write a bill of sale to that person, to the buyer. But if the buyer says, I'm buying it on condition that it's for the Reish Galuta, <coughs> so then we do force the Reish Galuta to sell it to him. So again, this shows that he does buy it. Um, so then we say, no. Um, because again, really, he tells the seller um, and the witnesses around, I'm not really buying it for the president, but um, he wants everyone else to think that he is because he doesn't want anyone to contest the land. Um, and that's why he's doing it. Um, okay, DOP 103, um, we say, no, that's not the case. Rather, you can't force the Reish Galuta to do anything, right? Why would the president ever do what you say? Who cares, right? Rather, the case is that you bought it in the name of the Reish Galuta. You can't force the seller to sell it to him again, uh, right? That you said that it's for him. So I'm writing a deed. This land is, belongs to the Reish Galuta. Um, but if you said on condition, so then we do force him to do it. Okay, you might think that the buyer can say, you knew that really I was buying it for myself, therefore I assumed that you would write me another contract afterwards. The seller can say, no, I thought that you would figure it out. That's your problem. I don't have to do anything. But again, if he says, Almanat, we do force him um, to write another one. Um, so now we have a case. Rev Kahana bought some flax but he left it at the, you know, in the store. And then the seller, like the store owner, sold it at a higher price to somebody else and then figured he'll give the extra money to Rav Kahana, right? You like, it was a business deal. He made more money. So if he sold it as Kahana's flax, so then he can take the money because he just sold it for him. But if not, so then he can't because it looks like interest, right? You bought something, now you come and get it and I give you extra money, that seems to be interest. Um, and uh, the Gemara says that Rav Kahana didn't acquire the flax yet, therefore when he gets it back, it just increased in value and it's not seen as interest. 
Okay, next Mishnah. If a person stole an item that was worth a pruta, again, pruta is the lowest denomination, right? If you steal something that's worth less than a pruta, it's not seen technically as stealing, right? So if I steal your dirty tissue, I'm not a thief, not I don't know what you are, but that's not seen as as uh, as theft. It's not um, it's not worth a pruta. So let's say you stole an item worth a pruta or at least a pruta, and then you swear falsely that you didn't steal it. Right? You say you stole it. I say no, I didn't. You say you yes, you did. I say I swear. Again, remember we learned uh, the the value of um, of um, swearing. So let's say you swear, again, not by using the word just swear, but you take God's name in vain. Um, if you do that, not only do you have to return the item directly to the person um, and not to the, his children or not to an agent, um, but you also have to pay what's called a chomesh, which means a fifth of the value, plus you have to bring a korban, a sacrifice called an asham. Right when you swear falsely, you need to pay a chomesh and an asham. Those are the consequences. So, um, you so here the mission is telling us not only do you have to pay these extra things, but you must return the item directly to the person. But if that's really too difficult, you could um, return it to the court to hold it for for the other person. Um, let's say the person died. Um, so then you can give it to his heirs. Um, if, let's say, um, if he didn't give the fifth, or if the person forgave him the the principle, he said, you know what, forget it. I don't need the, you know, I don't need my whatever it is back, um, but not the fifth. Or again, if he owes him just the fifth, but not the principal amount, the Karen, so then he does not have to chase him to another country to return the item. Um, he does um, He does need to pay everything back, but he doesn't have to chase him. Um, but if it's the opposite, if he still owes him the principal, but not the chomesh, not the fifth, so then he has to chase him to repay it. Um, okay, let's say he pays back the Karen, the principal, but then he swears falsely that he already paid back the fifth, right? He owes him a fifth and he says, of course I paid it to you. And he says, no, you didn't. And he says, yeah, I swear I did. And he didn't. So now he has to pay a fifth on the fifth, right? And it keeps going and going and going till um, he owes less than a pruta and then he doesn't have to pay any, any of that afterwards. Um, the same goes for um, a picadon. Picadon means um, collateral, right? So um, I uh, borrowed money and I left my watch with you, right? And I said, keep my watch till I pay you back the loan. I come and I pay you back the loan. I say, okay, give me back my watch. And you say, I don't know what you're talking about. You never gave me a watch. Again, if you swear falsely, um, you have to pay back not only the watch, but a fifth um, plus the uh, plus bring a sacrifice. Okay, so now the Gemara is going to explain um, that if he doesn't swear falsely, he doesn't have to pay the chomesh, that fifth. That's only a penalty for swearing falsely. Um, so now there's a machloket. If you stole, but you don't know who you stole from, right? Let's say there were five people sitting together and you steal something from that group of five. Rabbi Tarfun says, you put back the item in the middle and you basically walk away, right? And they have to figure it out. Um, Rabbi Akiva says, no, let's say you stole a dollar. You need to now give a dollar to each one of those five people because you don't know which one it is. Um, okay, so now if the expense of traveling, the Gemara tells us that if the, is, the expense of traveling is greater than the amount that you owe the person, so then, um, you could give the money to the court and you do not have to fly, you know, hundreds of thousands of miles away to return the item. Um, okay, so now um, the machloka we just mentioned, Rabbi Tarfon and Rabbi Akiva, um, the Gemara says maybe both of them agree that if you buy something 
from one of these five people, then you put the money down. But the machlok is if you steal something from them. If you steal something from them, then um, you need to, again, that's the machlok. And if you pay once or you pay five times. Um, Okay, from here, it doesn't seem that the case is that he swore falsely. It's just talking about returning the money. Um, Rabbi Tarfun agrees that if you swore falsely, so then you need to pay each and every one of them, right? So swearing um, creates some sort of bond and you have to pay each one of them. Or maybe Rabbi Tarfun agrees that if he admitted to the theft, then he has to pay for each one of them. But if not, then he doesn't. Okay, DAF 104, the last DAF for tonight. Um, if he swears, the only way to get atonement is by paying him back directly, right? And if he didn't swear, then he can hold on to the money till the person returns, right? As long as he has it for him, it's like a picadon, it's like a collateral. Um, okay, we use the word shaliach. Um, so the question is, what is, uh, it says you can't give it to his shaliach. What is this agent? Who is he? So if it's an agent that was appointed in front of witnesses, um, but he didn't get the mission yet, he doesn't know what he's supposed to do. So then he's seen, um, he is seen as a shaliach. Um, and therefore, when you give him the, the item, he is responsible, right? So that's always the question, um, who is responsible for the item, right? I actually just heard a crazy story, just as an aside. Um, I went to a jeweler today. Uh, I actually gave in something and I asked my mother to go pick it up for me and he wouldn't give it to my mother. He said, if she's the one who gave it, she has to pick it up. And so I went to pick it up today and he told me why. So he said that he had a case where um, uh, a lovely woman comes and he knew who she was. And she said, oh, my friend um, gave in whatever, something to get fixed. Um, and I'm here, so I'll pick it up for her. And he recognized her. She didn't steal it. Um, so he gave her the bracelet. But the, unfortunately, the friend lost it. Um, and the, the woman never got her bracelet. So now she was very obviously very upset. Um, and this is the question, right? Who is responsible? So the, the store owner said he was responsible because she didn't tell him to give it to the friend. And because of that, he actually had to give her another bracelet, like it cost him a lot of money. So that's exactly this, right? Shlichut is only, right, if she would have said, give the bracelet to my friend, then as soon as he gives her the bracelet, he's out, he's out of the picture. The friend is the shaliach, right? But if she didn't appoint a shaliach, it's his responsibility to make sure that the jewelry gets to her and it didn't. So very practical case. Um, Okay, so again, right, if the shaliach is appointed, then that shaliach is responsible. And if not, then not, right? So let's say you um, you hire someone to gather uh, produce for you. Um, it's not seen as an official shaliach. Therefore, they're not responsible for the item, right? The friend was like, oh, I'm so sorry, it got lost, right? But again, right, whose fault was that? Um, Okay, um, right, the Mishnah says you cannot return the item to his, excuse me, to his child or to the agent because it's not an official agent, right? It's not an official shaliach. Um, only if the person is appointed um, by the person who was stolen from, right, to collect it, then that would be okay. Or again, the agent has to be appointed in front of witnesses, then it's valid. Um, Okay, uh, we say that you cannot send money with like a sign with an agent because again, that agent isn't um, isn't seen as an official agent. Um, right, oh, so Naomi asked, could my mother be called a shaliach? She could have if I would have called the guy and said, I'm sending my mother. So then she would have been a shaliach, but he's right. He's like, I don't know. So um, yes. Good point. Um, okay, let's say I say to a person, oh, right, and this is, right, this could be the case. Oh, you're going to that store? Okay, can you just pick up my so-and-so for me? Um, again, if you give him like a power of attorney, so then you you see that the person is 
um, your shaliach, but if not, so not, because, you know, nobody knows, who knows who that person is. Um, okay, uh, we said that you don't have to go all the way to the person to pay the fifth, um, but you do have to for um, for the principal, for the Karen, right? This shows that the fifth is what we were calling mamon. If you remember, there were two types of um two types of things that you can pay. Mamon means um, compensation, you're paying back money, as opposed to knas, which is a penalty. Um, so here, it seems that this fifth is compensation, mamon, and not knas, not a penalty, even though it's a punishment, but it's seen as money that he's owed, right? So this shows that if the person dies, the children also need to pay for the fifth because children always pay for what's owed. Uh, they do not have to pay for any penalty, right? The penalty is on the person who did it, on the perpetrator, not on their heirs. Um, okay, Abraita, however, says that children do not pay the fifth for their father's theft. Um, so here the Gemara says it depends if they admitted to it, if he admitted to it or not. If he did, then they do have to pay for it because he's already, he owes it to them. If he didn't admit it, so then they do not have to pay for it. Um, and as I said, right, the children have to pay for the principal, the Karen of the father's theft, uh, but not anything else. Um, if the father didn't admit to the theft, but the children did, so then again, they pay for the principal, the Karen, but not the fifth. Um, also because the original item, right, doesn't, it is not there anymore. Um, or the top of 105 tells us um, the cases that the father was already convicted, meaning the father already um, has to pay, therefore um, should have to pay both the Karen, the principal, and the fifth, and then the father died, and then the son swears falsely that he doesn't owe him anything, therefore he has to pay the principal, um, but not the fifth. And uh, we will pick this up uh, next week. It continues um, discussing uh, when someone steals something, how they return it, and how they pay for it. Um, and one one final uh, announcement is that next week class is going to be on Thursday instead of Wednesday. So sorry for all the changes, Bezrat Hashem. That should be the last one for a little while, uh, but one more uh, work trip. Uh, so Bezrat Hashem, we will meet next Thursday um, and we will discuss uh, more about theft uh, and other and other compensation and damages. So wishing everyone a Shabbat Shalom and see you next week. Can I ask you a quick question? If you're